God's people with your host, Dennis Beard. Talking about sealing. Sealing there is a seal, which is a sign, which is what signified to the servants of God the things that must shortly come to pass. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is the present truth of the Word of God. It's not just a particular verse. It is the consummation of all things in all truth. Being led of God in all truth. And that is the faith that was once delivered to the saints in present truth back then was Shabbat, Pentecost. And Pentecostals. We have been in that Pentecostal move of God, the Pentecostal reign, the former reign, for over 2,000 years. But the Lord will do a work. And it is a strange work and bring to pass His act, His strange act. It's a radical change. So much that without knowing the voice of God and the new wine, be willing to change from the old wine into the new wine. Now, from an old wine skin into a new wine skin, we'll take the leading of the Holy Ghost in some things that will sound strange to the Pentecostal reign. It's a new thing. And Jesus said, you have wake your drunkards and howl, for the new wine is cut off from you. Hosea 9 says the new wine will fail in you. Why? Because it's through obedience that we obey the truth and the voice of the Lord God Almighty. It's a new thing. It's a new wine. It's a radical change from what we are accustomed to in the old ways. And most will say the old is better because they're not willing to change. And this will be a radical change in judgment. And as we take a look at it, only the watchman of Ephraim is with our God. The prophet is a snare of a fowler in all his ways and hatred in the house of his God. In other words, the general consensus of the prophets will be peace. Prophesying peace when there is no peace. Jeremiah 4. Jeremiah states this profound truth that it's the Lord himself that sends strong delusion. It's not the devil. But many will say it is not of God. It's not he. Jeremiah, the fourth chapter, says, God, Lord, it is as if you have deceived this people, saying, Peace, and behold, the sword reaches unto the soul. Well, Jesus stated the same. He said, Do you think I come to send peace on the earth? Well, that was a declaration. Is born in the city of David, Christ the Lord. Uh, peace on earth, goodwill to men. That's the final declaration in the consummation of all things in the millennial reign. But before then, there's a work. There's a work of God. It's a strange work and bring to pass his act, his strange act. Jesus said, you think I come to send peace on the earth, but rather a sword. Now we see on that second horse rider, in Revelation, when we have the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and there's many different ideas as to what the horsemen are, uh, thinking it's the same as in Zechariah 6, which it's not. We'll cover that in another podcast when we 
uh, focus on the horseman. But the first horseman, the first beast says, come and see, one of the four beasts. Now that is the ministry of the saints of God in the last days. It is a body ministry. It's not just a bishop or an apostle or a prophet leading the people of God. It's the Holy Ghost leading them in a full body movement. And this will be known in all the earth. Even the wicked themselves will say these things have happened to you because you have disobeyed the Lord your God. You haven't obeyed his commandments. Themselves, the wicked being witnesses. It is a strange act. It's a strange work. And Jesus stated, you think I'm come to send peace on the earth, but rather a sword to set a man at variance against the father, against his son, mother against their daughter, mother-in-law against their daughter-in-law. And a man's foes will be those of his own household. It speaks of a civil war within the church. What would do such a thing? What would be such a drastic change that would warrant such a division in the body of Christ? Well, it's a new thing that God is doing. Many will say the old store is better. They'll like the old former reign and not this new thing, the new wine, the new thing that God will do. God said, behold, I do a new thing. A woman shall compass a man. And when we see the watchman, 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 what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? The night cometh. That's a time of darkness, a time of gloominess. Weeping endureth for a night, but joy comes in the morning. What of the night? Watchman, what of the night? The night cometh, and also the morning. If we follow him to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning, and he will come to us as the rain, the former, and the latter. Now, Paul was going to go into this ministry, a Jesus ministry, the work of the ministry, but it's not a regular Aaronic Levitical priesthood. For our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe nothing was spoken of concerning the priesthood. And at the cherubim, at the east end of the garden of God that was placed, is a capital C. And that many have said in the commentaries that these are angels. They guard the holiness of God or guard guarding the tree of life, whatever. But we, as you read the word of God, you find out these are the redeemed. The angels are not redeemed. Jesus did not take on him the form of an angel, but took on him the seed of Abraham. The angels that kept not their first estate, the Lord did not redeem them. So we find in Genesis 3.24, after the fall, Adam, not deceived, Eve being deceived, was in the transgression, but she shall be saved because of the seed of the woman. Adam and Adam all die. Why? Because it was a free will sin. He knew. He was not deceived. He knew exactly what he was doing when he ate of the tree of knowledge. And when he did, the Lord had already told him, in the day that you eat thereof, Adam, you will surely die. And he did eat and he died. And 
at that point, God spoke to the serpent that had beguiled Eve and said, I'm going to put enmity between you, snake, and the woman, between your seed and her seed, enemies. Thou shalt bruise his head, and thou shalt bruise his heel, not her heel, his heel. So he changes gender there. And why? Because he's speaking of the church, which is bone of Jesus' bone and flesh of Jesus' flesh. Jesus Christ is come of the flesh. That is not has come. We know that Jesus has come in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. We see that in 1 Timothy through 16. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, the God life. For God, God himself, was, past tense, manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, literally preaching to the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. That is past tense. God was manifest. But now, how do you try these spirits to see whether they are of God or not? Because many false prophets are entered into the world. Many false prophets prophesying their own heart. And how do you try them? Any spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, not has come. If your Bible says has come, that is a wrong translation. In the original authorized version, it will say Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. And that is a correct interpretation because it's a present and perfect tense. Is come, is present, is, and is come, is imperfect, means it has not been perfected yet. It's still in operation and still happening at present. Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Anyone that confesses that is of God. Well, what does that mean? It means that Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, the Lord is that Spirit, 2 Corinthians 3.17. It acknowledges that Jesus Christ is that Spirit, not Spirit Junior, not a second person of the Godhead, that he is that Spirit. He is that Tetragrammaton. He is the Yod, Yod, Ha, Wah, Ha. He is the Yahweh. He is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. He is the Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost. He is God Almighty. Now, that invisible spirit was made manifest in the days of his flesh. And no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, not going to be in the bosom of the Father, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him, John 1, 18. That means that Jesus Christ, even while he was made of no reputation, laid aside his glory, he is still God. He never ceased and desists from being God, that spirit. He is God, is always will be God, and has always been God, past, present, and future. Elohim, the everlasting self, exists in eternal God. That is Jesus Christ. Now Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. He is still coming in the flesh. Now, that's the reason Jesus said it's expedient that I go, I go away because I go to my Father. I am glorified with the Father's own self. I'm not beside the throne. I'm in that throne. 
Somebody said, what do you mean by that? Well, Revelation 3.21, him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne. That's where Jesus made a place, prepared a place for us, the body of Christ. And you overcome, I'll grant you there, and to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne. That's a place he prepared for us, made to sit together, a position set together in heavenly places. Where did you go, Jesus? Well, most denominations will say, well, he stayed right there. That's where he is. He's at the right hand of God, a physical right hand. No, he's not. He did not use Kyre, a, little, a literal right hand being a position. But Jesus said, even as I overcame, Revelation 3.21, where did you go, Jesus? Even as I overcame and am set, S-E-T, not S-I-T, S-E-T, settled, a state of glory, always has been, always will be. This because, just because he made himself of no reputation and a self-imposed limitation to lay aside his glory so he could work salvation as a man alone, not his spirit, but as a man. Because a man, law said only a man can redeem his back. By one man's disobedience, sin came to the world and death by sin. Therefore, by one man, from my servant, make many righteous. Therefore, as the offense is of one, so also the free gift is of one. As the offense of one brought many into condemnation, that the gift of one shall bring many unto righteousness. Now, as sin reigned by death, now grace reigns. And it's not alone. It's an effectual working of the power of God. It's grace that is working and dynamic. It's not static. And grace reigns through something. Righteousness. Righteousness is the power of God unto salvation. It's the supply of the Spirit. It's the effect of grace upon your heart and its outward reflection in life. It is a dunamis. It is the power of God unto salvation. And we're saved by grace through faith. Well, not being found, having our own righteousness, which is of the law, because by the works of the law, no flesh should be saved. But where we missed it, and most churches and denominations have missed it, simply saying that we don't have any work at all. There's no work that accompanies salvation, which is simply not true, because faith without works is dead. Well, Paul said not, you know, I want to win Christ, not be found having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh should be saved. We agree. But the righteousness of God by faith, that he, through obedience unto righteousness, will save them that obey him. For the Holy Ghost is given to them that obey him. Obedience is required, and that's something that we do not hear preached anymore in, the, in general in the churches, the general Protestant churches here in this age. Why? Because we go to church, high-five each other, and we eat chicken dinners and ice cream suppers, and we think that's it. We've done one verse, and we're saved, which is just not the case. There's a progressive glorification 
There is a progressive work in the ministry of Jesus, of which this body is compacted and fitly framed together by the Lord, of which every joint supplies to the edifying of itself in love. The edifying of itself, yes, how? Through the supply of the Spirit. So the more that we do the will of God, the more that we glorify our Lord Jesus Christ, which is in heaven. And the more revelation he gives us through obedience. So take heed how you hear. The same measure you meet with all shall be measured to you again. To him that hath, he'll give him, he'll have the more. To him that hath not, this new thing that God is doing in present truth, and they say, no, he doesn't want it. To him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he has. In other words, lose all. With God, it's all or nothing. You gather or scatter. You either for him or against him. There is no middle of the road. There's no just straddling the fence, so to speak. It's either in or out. Gather or scatter. And that's in present truth, which each day goes by as progressively more proceeding word of God in truth. So the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day until that which is perfect is come. And when that which is perfect is come, then all that which is in part will be done away with. We see through a glass darkly now. We have knowledge in part. But then face to face. And that face is very important. For God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Somebody said, well, that's good. Because Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. Yes. Now, we're the living epistles. We're the lively stones. We're the royal priesthood. What royal priesthood? After Levi, keeping a law? After Aaron? No. Melchizedek. Jesus' ministry is after the order of Melchizedek, a total change in ministry. That law could not save anyone because it was a ministration of death, not of life. The law is good. The law is holy. But that, Paul said, which I found to be good, slayed me. Why? Because in what the law could not do, in that it was weak in the flesh, God sending his own son, that word that was made flesh, God himself manifest with us. Emmanuel, God with us. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, Romans 8, 3. Now God has sent forth his son. Where? In the fullness of time. When it was time for it, a time for everything and under the sun. And in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. How? Well, it's taught in the churches that somehow or other, the father spoke to the son, saying, son, go down there and die for the sin of the world. There is no scripture there for that. There's no son of God begotten of the father according to his Godhead, before the foundation of the world. There's no such thing. There's no scripture. It's not the truth. 
known to the Lord are all his works from the beginning. So, how and what is this truth? God himself would provide himself a sacrifice, himself as our sacrifice. But to do that, God had to have a man. He looked for a man. He was amazed he could find none. Isaiah 63, 5, Isaiah 59, 16, said God's own arm brought salvation to himself, his own arm of flesh. Isaiah 43, 10 tells us that the Lord Jehovah God Almighty is the one that chose the servant. Chose a servant? He sent the son? Well, it sounds like definitely it'd have to be two because if God sent something, well, it couldn't be him because he sent it. Well, when you consider that God sent his word and healed him. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. How? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and God said, well, the word went out and created all. And that's still God. It's not God Jr., it's God. It is the Spirit of God in that office of the Logos, the Word. Well, the Word is God. Well, yes, we know that. But there's not God Jr., there's not Word Jr., it's not Spirit Jr., it's not a second person of the, of the God. There's no second part, he's a part of God. Jesus said he's God. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. We're one and the same spirit. We're not a different spirit. How much of God? All of it. Jesus said that you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The words that I speak are not mine. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. From henceforth you both know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and it suffices us. That'll be sufficient. Jesus said, have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me, you've seen the Father. Believe me that I'm in my Father, my Father in me, or else believe me for the work's sake. Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing. I'm not the one healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils, opening blind eyes, losing the dumb tongue, the lame walking, the captive going free. I'm not doing that. The Father is. The Spirit that I am is doing it. I and my Father are one. The man, Christ Jesus, is the Father revealed. The revealed name of God is Jesus. The manifest name of God, nor the name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved at the name of Jesus. That Jesus is the express image of his singular person. Hebrews 1, verse 1 through 3. He uh, says, I and my Father are one. Heist, not a union, one, the same Spirit. But just because he made himself of no reputation, put a self-imposed limit, limitation upon his glory as a Spirit, so he could work as a man made and under the law. So the spirit didn't have a spirit junior and uh, begot a son in heaven according to his Godhead before the foundation of the world as it states in the 451 Chalcedonian definition is a lie. 
Well, somebody said, well, we assume. No, you can't assume. The scripture is very explicit that God himself, Jesus in the form, made himself of no reputation. He's the one that put a self-imposed limitation upon himself that only God could do. And Philippians 2, 6 through 8 tells us exactly how God works salvation in and of himself alone. For God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Well, there are questions. They'll say, well, then why did the voice come from heaven? There, Jesus is in his humiliated state. And that can only be revealed by the Holy Ghost. You see, Jesus stated, no man knows the Son but the Father. No man knoweth the Father but the Son, and to whom he will reveal him. It has to be revealed by God. Christ is that Spirit. But it behooves Christ to suffer. When the Spirit suffered, yes, in the days of his flesh. And we see that, that Christ, it behooved Christ to suffer and to enter into his glory. That repentance, repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. That is Christ. That's a revelation of Christ. That's the only true doctrine of Christ there is. That Christ is that spirit and he is the man that died. And we see that in 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11. Now, Peter had that foundation given to him. That foundation is Christ. But we're seeing that the ministry of it is not after Levi. It's not after Aaron. It's after Melchizedek. It's a new thing. It's a radical change. That's the reason that all the law and the prophets would say, thus saith the Lord. But Jesus, after he was baptized of John in Jordan, why was he baptized? Not to wash away his sins, he was sinless. But to fulfill all righteousness. And from that day forward, because the law states that the high priest does not take his office until age 30, that's in Numbers 4. Jesus, as a man, made in under the law. Why? To redeem us that were under the law. He had to become one of us. So how does he do it? He makes himself of no reputation. He lays aside his glory. He's going to work only as a man. And uh, he is made of a woman, made in under the law to redeem us that were under the law. And he, as a man, has to fulfill the law. The law has to be fulfilled. He didn't do away with it. He fulfilled it. And he has to fulfill it as a man, like you and like me. One of us, our kinsman redeemer. And this is after the order of Melchizedek. It's a change of priesthood. The book of Hebrews tells us all about it. And Jesus Literally at that time that he's baptized of John and Jordan, being about the age of 30, which is by the law when the high priest can take his office, he goes down to John the Baptist, son of Zacharias, of the course of Abijah, 
of the Levitical priesthood of Aaron. And at that point, John baptizes him in Jordan at Beth Arba. And as he's baptizing Jesus, three things that the high priest would normally do in the Levitical priesthood was number one, he would anoint him with oil. Number two, lay hands on him. Number three, speak over him. Thou art a priest in my stead because he couldn't continue by reason of death. Therefore, his son, that was 30 years old, would take over the office of the high priest. And the elder priest there would retire and the son would keep going. Well, now we're going to have a change in priesthood. It's going to happen at age 30. And I was no longer is it going to be just strict the law. He didn't do away with the law. He fulfilled the law, brought it to a higher level in the law of the spirit of life now in Christ Jesus. To do that, John the Baptist of that course of that Levitical priesthood laid hands on Jesus. Number one, two, put him under the water. Number three, he did not speak over him. The Father, the Spirit that Jesus is, not a ventriloquist. The Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. In other words, this is the Christ. This is the office of redemption for all mankind. Hear ye him. From that point on, the Holy Ghost in the form of a dove abode upon Jesus. Well, wait a minute. We have John, we have John the Baptist filled with the Holy Ghost whenever Elizabeth comes to see Mary. And at that point, he is filled with the Holy Ghost even before Jesus is born. While he's in Mary's womb, John the Baptist is filled with the Holy Ghost and leaps with joy because Jesus is that spirit. And God giveth not the spirit by measure to him. Not from the, not from the tomb when Jesus is resurrected, but from the womb. There, John the Baptist filled with the Holy Ghost when, he, when Elizabeth comes to see Mary. He is the Holy Ghost. He is that spirit. But, He's working salvation for us as a man. And God giveth not the spirit by measuring to him, but he's not working as spirit. Jesus has laid it aside. He's made himself of no reputation to work salvation as a man under the law, made it under the law. So spirit father did not say spirit junior, son, go down and die for the son of the world. Well, he sent his son. Yes, that's the word. And God said, and the word that he had stated, a virgin shall conceive, bring forth a son. Call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah 7, 14. The words manifest now. And this word comes to Mary. She's not pregnant. She's going to marry Joseph. She's espoused to him. A 14-year-old girl of Israel in Jerusalem and says, Mary, hail thou woman of God, greatly favored of the Lord. 
What kind of a salutation is that? That you are going to have a son, and he will be called the son of the highest, and he will save his people from their sin. Well, she said how she didn't doubt, but she said, how can this be seeing I know not a man? Said the Holy Ghost, the Most High will overshadow you. And that thing which is born of you will be of the Holy Ghost. Of the Holy Ghost. The man is not divine flesh. He is a man of flesh and blood made in under the law and Adam after the fall. In the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Romans 8, 3. Made in under the law. Galatians 4, verse 4. And that thing which is born of you, Mary, is of the Holy Ghost. And you will bear this son nine months like any other woman. And he shall, that's a little S-O-N. And he, shall, he will be called the son of the highest, capital S-O-N. That that point. She said, be it unto thine handmaid according to thy word. What you just spoke, I receive it. She agreed with it, and immediately, right there, she was impregnated. And it was of the Holy Ghost. How much of the Holy Ghost? All of it. Because, and we find this mystery of God and the Father and of Christ in Colossians 2, verse 1 through 9 to the full acknowledgement of the understanding of this mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Why did God hide it? Because only those of a pure heart will see it. When you search for God diligently with all your heart, that's the day you find him. Now, we know. He goes on down and says, Let no man spoil you through vain deceit. After the tradition of man, after the rudiments of this world, after vain philosophy, and not after Christ, as you have been established in Christ. We have to be established in the doctrine of Christ. Just as he states there, Colossians 2, 9, for in him dwelleth, houses permanently, all the fullness of the Godhead, everything God is, or made as he, bodily, one body. Colossians 2, 9. Well, and you're complete in him and have need of nothing else. In whom you're circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by baptism. So baptism is what gets you in there in the likeness of Jesus' death. What? No, you're not. As many as were baptized were baptized into Christ's death. The like as the Spirit and Jesus raised him from the dead, so also you're raised to the newness of life, that the body of the sins of the flesh might be destroyed. How? By baptism. You'll find that in Romans 6, 1 through 4. You'll find it in uh, uh, Colossians 2, 10, verse 10 through 12. It's that spiritual operation of God when he cuts off the foreskin of the heart, circumcises the heart, 
You believe with the heart, not with a mouth, but believe with thine heart, not an intellectual exercise, which baptism does also now save us. Not to put away the filth of the flesh, but to answer for good conscience toward God. That's First Peter 3. So after we're in Christ, then what is this work? This work of the ministry. Well, Jesus' ministry is a, after the order of Melchizedek. So for the work of the ministry, which we are all called for in the body of Christ, and according to Ephesians 4, Paul tells us, there's one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, who's above all, Father of us all, and in us all. That's the spirit, Jesus, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he said he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. What ministry? The ministry of Jesus, which is after the order of Melchizedek. So Paul is going to elaborate on this in Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Now notice when in Hebrews, the fifth chapter, he brings up what we're called for in the work of the ministry. Now, not just newborn babes, because he said, when you need to be, you ought to be teachers. You should already know this. The body of Christ should already know this, but we in the body of Christ are lagging behind the proceeding word of God. The Lord is speaking and we're not listening. So therefore the Lord will get our attention. It's called chastening. The chastening rod of God upon us, lest we be condemned with the world. And that's what's happening now. You see, the Lord will literally chasten us to get us back in the right way. Just like our parents would when we were uh, children going up and we did things that were wrong and we were trained up in the way we should go. And there was a rod that was used. Well, God does the same. He said, all that God loves, all the ones that he loves, he chastened. He whips. Not to destroy us. That chastens us that we will not be condemned with the world. And he says, now no chastening for the present time seemeth to be joyous. We don't joy, it's, it's, it hurts. But afterward, it yields a peaceable fruits of righteousness leading us on into the measure of the stature of Jesus, crucifying the flesh with the affections of the lust. And if any be without chastisement, without their chastening, then are your bastards and not sons. Therefore, we don't despise the chastening of God, but thank God for it. And there, for the work of the ministry, is what we should be in now, continuing for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. And Paul says, now, when you ought to be teachers, you, ought to, you should already know this, but you are not, you, you're not, you cannot handle strong meat, but you have need of milk. For you are still babies, which are unskillful in the word of righteousness. What is righteousness? You're growing up into him in all things. He that knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made 
the righteousness of God in him. And that's through God dwelling in you, both the will and the do of his good pleasure, working in you for the will of God to be manifest in your life through obedience unto righteousness. Without that, without obedience, it's impossible that we will come and become the righteousness of God in Christ by faith, which requires obedience. Therefore, Paul said to the church there in Hebrews 5, when you ought to be teachers, you have need again to be first taught again the first principles of the oracles of Christ and this doctrine of Christ. You should be teachers, but you have to be taught again the first principles. There, he said, for you're, you're still babies. You have need of milk. So it's not just, well, we're, we're saved, sanctified. We have to grow from faith to faith, from glory to glory, growing up into him, in Jesus Christ, in all things, that we're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And the biggest lie out there is, well, there's one verse you got saved, and that says, forget it. That is a lie because you've got, you are newborn babes desire sincere milk of the word you may grow thereby, but we can't stay babies because at that point, he says to the little children, that's your next step up. Your sins are forgiven for his namesake, and you've known the Father. You know that Jesus is the Father of glory. You've grown in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a father. Now, you're not full grown. You're little children. But then the work of the ministry. Paul is going to elaborate on Melchizedek, this work of the ministry, this after the order of Melchizedek. But Paul said, these things are hard to be uttered. When I'm trying to get you to the work of the ministry, it's hard to be uttered seeing you're dull of hearing. You don't have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. This is your call, the work of the ministry, but you're not able to, you're not able to bear it. You're dull of hearing. And he goes on and said, those that are of full age are weaned from the milk. They're not still on a milk with a one verse. Repent and be baptized in one in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That's the only way you get your sins remitted, born of the water, baptism. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, born of the Spirit, Acts 2.38. Promising to you and your children, many of the far off, even to as many as the Lord our God shall call. Wonderful. But that's not the end in itself. That's a beginning. Now we have to grow up into him and all things. And it's a walk by faith. And if you walk in this spirit, the law of the spirit of life, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You'll crucify the flesh with the affections of the lust because you're Christ. Christ is in you. The body is dead to sin, but alive because of the spirit. And there is the work of the ministry. It's a Jesus ministry. It's after the order of Melchizedek, which is a radical change from the Levitical priesthood. Now it's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now you're being led of the spirit of God, not trying to keep the letter of the law. 
by which no man shall be saved by the works of the law. But the righteousness of God by faith, that righteousness is where we're made the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God in him, and that is Melchizedek, king of, first it was peace, then king Melchizedek of righteousness. That's the ministry that we're called for. It's a radical change. It's being led of the Spirit of God. Now, when we were saved and knew that Jesus is the Father, we're little children. But that's not perfection yet. Because Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, I knew that Jesus is the Father. I've been born again. My sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I've known that Jesus is the Father. I'm little children. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I'm afraid that most of the time in the church today, we're still in the childish things. We're unskillful in the word of righteousness because we have not gone on in the word of God, in the depth as a wise man that dig deep and founded a rock. That rock is a revelation of Christ. And if Christ be in you, that is your hope of glory, then you're sons of God if you obey it. As many as are led of the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You have to be led of it. So we have to know the voice. have to know the voice of God and then obey it individually to know what ministration, ministry, that each member and the body of Christ must do in order for salvation, which is essential for salvation. Because Jesus said, not all that say to me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. Those are born again. They're little children. They know he's the Lord. No man can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Ghost. But now we're going into this work of the ministry. Not just a ministry, the work of the ministry. And that is led of the Holy Ghost. Because under the law, they tried to keep the letter of the law. Now, Israel had a zeal for God, but not according to wisdom, going about to establish their own righteousness of the law. And by the works of the law, no flesh should be saved. But now, Paul said, now, not being found, having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, I'm going to win Christ. But by the righteousness of God, by faith, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness of God by faith is imputed to us for righteousness. Christ in us through obedience. Save them that obey him through obedience. Now that requires obedience to the voice of God, which requires our sacrifice of our will. We have to put our will upon the altar of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one way to know the voice of God and do his will. Because Jesus said, not all the same to me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. Because you did not do the will of God. You didn't do the will of God. You might have known it, but you didn't do it. Or maybe you didn't even know it. You didn't know there was more than just saying a sinner's prayer or getting born of the water and spirit, Acts 2.38. You didn't know there was more. You, you didn't search out the book and read. 
Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they that testify of me. You thought you were right. You thought that was it. The preacher said, you're saved. Don't worry about it. But yet, you didn't do the will of God. You didn't seek God for your own will to be done the will of God, your own will to be sacrificed, that you will be found pleasing to the God, to your Lord God, to God Almighty by faith. Well, because of that, Jesus said, now, I want you to understand, not all that's saying to me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. That's a profound statement. Matthew 7. And he goes on to say, because you didn't do the will of God. They, begun, they profess unto Jesus, Lord, we've done many wonderful works in your name. We've been working for you. We've prophesied in your name. We've worked in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. We have cast out devils in your name through the Spirit of God. And Jesus said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity, for you did not do the will, the will of my Father. Oh, my. Those are frightful words. So the next step that we must do and we're headed for in the body of Christ is this Melchizedek ministry, which is a Jesus ministry after the order of Melchizedek, which requires us to know the voice of God and obeying and obeying it in each individual member in the body of Christ to do the will of God. And the will of God is different for each individual member. Not all are apostles, not all are prophets, not all are teachers, our governments, our helps. But God has put in the body is as it has pleased him. And our quest for life is to find out what the will of God is for your particular life as members in particular. And that I can't say the foot, I have no need of thee. Because God has put the abor- a more abundant honor on the less comely parts if there'd be no chism or division in the body. We need each other. The thing is now, how do you know the will of God? Somebody said, I've never heard that. I just thought I was saved. Well, God is pulling the ones that he's called out that have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches and seek God for the will of God to be done in your life. Somebody said, well, I'm not called for anything. Oh, yes, you are. Every individual member is called for a work in the body of Christ as it's literally compacted and fitly framed together by the Lord, of which ever joint supplies to that finding himself in love, the body of Christ that's coming into the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man. And those are the ones that will be, will be used for the work of the ministry. And Paul was going into that in Hebrews 5 and said, you, it, it can't be uttered. You're dull of hearing. You can't, you can't hear these things. That's the will of God for you. And it will rise up a great army as of parents of a man, Jesus, the head, and we, the individual members of the body of Christ that will go through the land. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world for a witness in all nations, and then the end will come. And those that do the will of God will be able to enter in. Those that do not, they said, well, I didn't know this. Well, it was always there, and there's no, God doesn't wink, wink at ignorance now, but commandeth every man everywhere to repent. Do the will of God. And that's the word. 
That is a word for everyone in the world, including this, this preacher here. Repent. Do the will of God. Whatever that is, do it. How do you do that? There's only one way to do the will of God and to know the voice of God. And that is in Romans 12, verse 1. Here. Because without this, it is impossible to enter into the kingdom of heaven. There's only one way to enter in. Not just being born again. And not being just little children or young men, but coming unto fathers. And to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Doing the will of God for your individual life. You're not called just to warm up you. There's an individual calling upon your life and upon mine and on every individual member in the body of Christ. Jesus said so. Paul stated it there in Corinthians. And we must do the will of God. So you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because God worketh in you. Both the willing to do of his good pleasure, not yours. Well, I thought Jesus would be happy with this. You know, I give him some money and some tithes and I fast every once in a while. I go to church. That's not it. Seek the will of God for your life. You seek, seek him with all your heart. You're going to find him. And he states there, Romans 12, verse 1. Paul states it. I beseech you, brethren, the body of Christ, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Well, sacrifice, you've got to pick up your cross. What are you going to do? You're going to crucify your flesh with the affections and the lusts in order to do his will, not your will, his will. And that's in a new thing, a Melchizedek priesthood, Jesus being our great high priest. And how do you do that? Those are led by the Spirit of God not by the letter of the law. That's where the word of God's alive in you. You're a living epistle. You're lively stones. You're a royal priesthood, whereby you have built up a spiritual house, whereby we offer praises unto God. And all that we do, we do as unto the Lord, Colossians 3.17. There, Paul said, when you Lay down your life. Say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And mean it. You present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He's the one died for you. He's the one working in you for his own will to be done. And you're bought with a price. You're not your own. You don't have a right to claim your own destiny. It's his will. You are servants to the Lord Jesus Christ. And whosoever you yield your members as servants to obey, him are the servants to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death, going the ways of the world, which will end up in death, or yielding your members as obedience unto righteousness, Romans 6 which will yield the peaceable fruits of holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. So what it is that we must do, that it's essential for salvation, 
you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Just as Paul said, Romans 12, 1. A living sacrifice upon that altar. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world. Get out of the world. Any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's the lust of the eyes. The pride of life, the lust of the flesh. I had not known adultery except the Lord said, Thou shalt not covet. That's the lust of the world. That chokes. That chokes the word of God in you. I go off to work, I go because I owe. I owe, I owe. Depending upon the government, depending upon this, depending upon uh, business or uh, investments or whatever the case may be, we depend upon the Lord. We all know, man, nothing but love. We look unto the Lord, seek in seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That righteousness is there through obedience, obedience unto righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Growing up in him and all things. And you have this promise and all these other things that God knows you have need of will be added to you. How? Through obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Consider the lilies of the field. They neither toil, neither do they spin. Yet Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these, the richest man that ever lived. There are 700 wives and princesses and 300 concubines. Uh, at Solomon's house, there were 300 baths, and 666 talents of gold a year, the usury, uh, there are the tax on the people. And yet, and yet, he said, you're more value. Solomon, in all of his glory, was not raised like one of these. Yet, you're more. The very hairs of your head are numbered. His thoughts of you daily are more than the sands of the earth. That is the love of God that he has towards you. That but it, it passes all understanding. And he has you engraved an everlasting love engraved in the palms of his hands that you're ever before the Lord. And therefore, it's hard for a man to let go of control. Well, I have to control things. No, you cast your care upon him because he cares for you. You've let him have uh, the rudder of your ship. And say, God, wherever you lead me, I will follow. Now it becomes a service, a servant in the Lord Jesus Christ. Wherever he says go, you go. But you have to learn the voice. There's only one way to do it. You present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service, not conformed to this world. Don't go the way of the world. But be you transformed, a transformation going on by the renewing of your mind. Why? that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for you is. That's how you prove it. That's how you learn the voice of God, through obedience. Not through your external ears or the natural ears or our natural eyes, but if any man have an ear, an ear to the Spirit, to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. 
If thine eye, the eye to your spirit. If thine eye, not eyes, but that thine eye be single, the whole body is full of light. But if thine eye be darkness, if it's darkened by this world, how great is that darkness? So it's a Melchizedek, king of righteousness. And this will be king of kings and lord of lords. In doing the will of God, the body will be fitly framed together and compacted together by the Lord Jesus himself and to the unity of the faith. God's doing it now. If this, if you have questions, let us know. But God is pulling. If the spirit is bearing witness with your spirit, that this is truth. God is bringing his body into one right now, not denominations, not one verse Charlie's, not sitting back and said, well, you're saved, sanctified, and that's it. Don't worry about anything else. No, seek God for the will of God. And we say, well, I've never heard it before. I'll tell you what. I suggest or challenge you to go before the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, what have you called me for? With all my heart, with all that diligently seeking you, let me know your will, and I will do it. And if you diligently seek the Lord that way, he'll speak to you, and you'll find that it'll be his will and not yours. It will not be as a pastor telling you what to do. It will not be a denomination telling you what to do. And that's what he said there in 1 John 2.20. You have an unction from the Holy One. Not from Brother Beard. Not from any apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Not from a denomination. Not from the local body. You have an unction from the Holy One. And you have no need that any man teach you. You're being taught of the Holy Ghost. Personally. God said, I've got you individually. I have you engraved in the palm of my hands. The very hairs of your head are numbered. I'm working in you both the will and the do of my good pleasure. All you have to do is listen. Seek God with all your heart. And then all of a sudden, God will be real to you. And all of a sudden, you'll say, well, I didn't know it was like this. The peace of God that's upon me that passes all understanding. The peaceable fruits of righteousness. Because you're doing the will of God. And you're proving the will of God. You're making your calling and election sure. You're working out your own salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that God's working in you both the will and the do. And you are laying upside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset you. Looking unto Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He's the one that gave it to you. And he's the one being called with this very thing, that he that has begun a good work in you You've gone to church. You've gone this, you've gone. You made it that far. Now seek God for the will of God in your life. He's brought you this far. He's going to bring you all the way. But don't stop. Don't run this race. Don't you know that all runneth in a race, but only one winneth the prize. Don't stop. Don't faint. Don't stop running. Because you will reap if you faint not. There's a great work ahead. It's a work in the Jesus ministry. It's a work of the ministry, which we are all called for. It's the final perfection of the body of Christ. And that body will preach this everlasting gospel to all the world for a witness of all nations. 
and then the end will come. Well, again, if this has bore witness with your spirit, a Holy Ghost bearing witness, give us a call. Write to me, Dennis Beard, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Or you can message us at any of our websites. Or if you have questions, be sure and let us know. We'll do our best to answer them. Write to me or message me at sealinggodspeople.com, sealinggodspeople.org, or dennisbeard.org. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold the real Jesus.